Hello and welcome to another episode of the Startup Operator Roundup. I am Roshan Karipa and I am Gunjan Saha and together we'll be bringing you the biggest highlights from India's growing startup ecosystem. In this roundup, we have some really exciting news for companies who are looking to list on the IFSC exchanges. The government has recently allowed direct listing of companies in these exchanges. Next, we'll be talking about a bill that has been recently passed by the Rajasthan Legislative Assembly through which they will be levying a welfare fee on aggregators for gig workers fund. Well, I guess this will be providing the much needed uh, financial relief which we have been seeing prop up across the country. And lastly, we'll also be talking about Pixel's recent achievement on deceiving the center's IDX grant to develop multi-payload satellites for the Indian Air Force. Earlier, a finance minister, while she presented the previous union budget, she did make provisions within the defense budget that certain portion of the funds would be uh, kept aside to invest in the startup ecosystem. So, and it's good to see that's all taking shape. So, lots of exciting news. Stay tuned. All right, Roshan, an exciting week. Twitter has been busy, and uh, so has AMD. Yeah. yeah. So Twitter has rebranded itself to X. Uh, they have some fintech plans uh, in the making. The CEO Linda Yakarino uh, put out a bit of a teaser last week. And uh, well, the Indian government is uh, rolling out the red carpet for semiconductor companies right, to set up that industry here. Uh, they're offering as much as 50% financial assistance uh, to anyone who's setting up company here who's planning to invest here. right? So semiconductors are a really fundamental need, which, you know, we have talked about uh, plenty of uh, times on the podcast also. And these are all uh, fantastic initiatives to spur that ecosystem, right? In fact, AMD is planning to invest about $400 million over the next five years to set up the largest facility in Bangalore. Right. And India has a talent for sure. Right. We have a very skilled base of talent, but it's just a lot of the lot of these folks, the electronics guys are absorbed by the software industry. Right. And a few of those uh, folks, I mean, migrate outside for masters and then, you know, uh, find work there as well. So this ecosystem, if it develops, I think it will be amazing. It will be our next equivalent of an IT industry here and such a fundamental need, uh, especially in these times. Right, with everything that's happening in Taiwan and China and the US and whatnot. So yeah, fantastic and uh, you know, amazing weather as well. Right, uh, in some respects, it's been uh, <laughs> it's been raining. It's the it's the chai weather, chai I would weather. say. Right, and yeah, we're all we're sipping. Can you believe it? It's like what end of July and we are wearing warm clothes. Yeah. All right. So domestic companies can now directly list on foreign exchanges and the International Financial Services Center in Ahmedabad. Indian companies can now access foreign funds on various exchanges overseas through direct overseas listing. The rules for direct overseas listing of Indian companies will be notified in a few weeks. Now, we know we have seen a lot of companies that until recently had preferred listing in, let's say, a NASDAQ or the SGX. Why do you think it's necessary to allow companies to list on foreign exchanges while being in India? So there could be plenty of reasons, uh, uh, you know, for people to list in a foreign exchange. But, uh, you know, before that, right, let's call out the difference between a direct listing and an IPO. A direct listing is when you list your existing shares on a market for people to buy. Whereas in an initial public offering, what you try to do is aggregate demand from the market and then create new shares for people to buy, right? Uh, So in the case of a direct listing, there isn't dilution as such. And uh, you can sell your shares immediately, right? Unlike uh, in the case of an IPO. So this is this is interesting, right? I mean, because if you want to access foreign capital, this is an interesting route. Uh, you know, some of these larger companies, larger startups, let's say the Swiggies and the Zomato, uh, Zomato is already listed, but the rest of them, right? I mean, 
you could potentially have two classes of shares, right? I mean, where one could perhaps be listed on uh, your uh, Bombay Stock Exchange and another perhaps on this uh, IFSC, uh, right? And the IFSC could be in uh, maybe dollar denominated, for instance, right? So some of these foreign funds may find it more lucrative or easier and convenient to uh, sort of invest in securities of that sort, right? So they may buy it off IFSE. So earlier, there was something called an ADR, which is an American Depository Receipt and a GDR, Global Depository Receipt, where potentially, let's say I'm in Infosys, right? So a company could buy up shares of Infosys and uh, that, that company is just a holding entity of the shares of Infosys, right? And that company would list in a in a market and people could access that, you know, access Infosys through that company, right? Um, and it could, you know, in, in the, if it listed in the US, I mean, it was, it was the ADR route or if it listed elsewhere in Europe or somewhere, it was the GDR route. Now, this makes it even more con convenient, right? This whole gift city has been uh, positioned as the next Shanghai um yeah, the next London, Hong Kong, whatever, right? I mean, it, it's been positioned that way, uh, right? The, the tax norms are relatively easier um, and uh, it's basically to attract global capital, right? Uh, so so this is a fantastic uh, step in that regard. I, I don't know how long it will take for, you know, this to actually become a reality, but let's hope it, uh, it does, right? I mean, it basically gives another outcome or another option for some of these larger startups or uh, other companies, I mean, even mature companies to, you know, access capital. So that's good. Okay. Another part of the news was that a corporate debt market development fund has been launched, which is a bailout facility for debt funds. So this acts as a backstop facility for specified debt funds during periods of stress in the debt markets. Mm. So I think this just shows how the government is still is encouraging investors and also like easing out the norms for people to invest in. Yeah, no, for sure, right? I mean, I think uh, this whole corporate bond, sovereign bond market in India is still very, very tightly regulated. It's not as, uh, you know, accessible as some of the more mature markets, right? And uh, I feel like we can attract a lot of capital, right? I mean, uh, uh, for sure, you know, a lot of the foreign investors will be interested in this, uh, especially given the whole China plus one thing that we've been talking about as well, right? So, I mean, this is again another positive uh, step right. in that direction. It's a big, big development as well. I think we'll see benefits soon. And folks, if you want to explore more about this topic, please like this video so that the algorithm recommends more such similar videos to you. Moving on, uh, Rajasthan became the first state in the country to bring what is called the Gig Worker Welfare Social Security Bill. This bill was passed by the state assembly without a debate and opposition pr protests, which rarely happens. Mm. <laughs> and the bill aims to provide social security and welfare programs to platform-based gig workers whose work arrangement is outside that of the traditional employer-employee relationship. And this is most of a contractual work, so you would think your likes of so your Swiggy Zomato delivery partners, your Dunzo delivery partners and the likes. So what do you think? Like, Do you think this will kind of help answer some of the questions which the workers have raised and why they're protesting. Yeah, I mean, certainly a positive step, I should say, right? And earlier, the Ministry of Labor had come out with something like a social security code, uh, right? Just suggesting that there should be some kind of a welfare fund for these folks, right? Now, the numbers are hard to ignore, right? I mean, uh, there are something like 50 lakh plus uh, gig workers in the country, uh, you know, whichever way you recognize. This is more than, you know, I mean, if you perhaps put the railways and the army together, you might get about 15 lakh people, right? Uh, so, so this class of uh, employment is, uh, you know, three times that. So it's very hard to ignore these uh, classes of people. And uh, 
So this whole gig economy itself is is a new kind of employment, right? I mean, and, and a lot of pri- people take pride in the fact that you know they're their own owners, right? I mean, they're their own bosses per se, right? I mean, they can log in and log off. And you know, while you talk talked about you know blue collar work uh, primarily, right? I mean, whether it is delivery or whatever, think about uh, white collar work as well, right? I mean, your web designers, your content creators, etc. uh also who kind of come under this gig work uh, category itself freelancers especially freelancers etc et right so it's good i do feel that the the organizations themselves will invest a lot more because you know i mean it the economics will not work out i mean if the government has to support uh, you know 50 lakh people uh, you know uh, obviously they will not be able to create a fund large enough uh, to support all these folks but i do hope that some of this stuff like insurance education etc at least insurance should be taken care of because again any out of pocket expenses and everything should be saved in case of healthcare and some emergencies and what not right so you know recently we had praveen of better place as well right and uh, that's what he's working on bringing all of these folks on a common platform so they can access credit uh, and a bunch of these services as well so yeah uh, good stuff so this kind of uh, if if you go back to 2021 2021 we were discussing the whole smart the way zomato and swiggy are supporting their workforce right that time the notion was more about that how all of these uh, companies aggregators would kind of have a self regulating kind of functioning to uh, support the gig workforce right but now um, correct me if i'm wrong but this putting a levy right don't you think this is signaling towards a unionization of the No, th- this is bound to happen right i mean when whenever like a particular sector i mean wh- whenever it grows into a large enough constituent base right i mean 50 lakh into let's say give or take four right that's 2 crore people i mean that is heavily concentrated in the in the cities and what not i mean in fact uh, in the recent karnataka elections the jds uh, folks were appealing specifically to uber drivers and uh, you know cab drivers basically right so so they are a, you know decent enough constituent uh, base right enough for politicians to care about them for sure so yeah let's see it's an interesting rajasthan is just the first state to roll out this kind of a bill let's see um, what other states do and how they react next up um, well the space sector has again have some really exciting news for us um, pixel has won a multi crore rupee grant from the innovations for defense excellence or idx of the defense ministry to build miniaturized multi-payload satellites for the Indian Air Force. Mm, sounds interesting. They will develop small satellites of up to 150 kgs and uh, they've also launched commercial hyperspectral imaging satellites that provide earth imaging services to its customers. And one of those customer also includes US National Reconnaissance Office. It's good to see that why I mean this is of course a deep tech but hey they are technology companies in the country that are really collaborating with the government and yeah. trying to you know get things moving so in 2020 when the whole defense acquisition council was formed right i mean this was the vision uh, right the prime minister gave a call out for uh, the atmanirbhar bharat uh, campaign and there uh, multiple campaigns there was uh, sparks initiative which was under the mission uh, dev space so basically a bunch of that budget is going to go for make in india build the indian ecosystem kind of a play right and uh, yeah this is fantastic pixel uh, ob- builds these hyperspectral imaging satellites right uh, and they have their own uh, uh, they're they're planning to get their own constellation up in space right so probably think they've launched about 3 satellites so far and uh, it's pending about another uh 20 or something like 24 satellites constitute uh, a constellation of uh, sorts right so um 
it's it's a very very interesting business and the interesting thing about pixel is that you know they had to create the entire market by themselves right because uh, hyperspectral imaging basically in layman terms it's very very focused very sharp imaging uh, of the earth right uh, uh, so so there are roughly about three types i mean one is the R rgb uh, which is the the common uh, colors and shapes that you know you see with your uh, eyes or with the camera etc right then there is uh, multispectral which is adds a few more wavelengths right so it can infrared this is all the night vision goggles and what not and then hyperspectral adds like multiple others right 100 uh, wavelengths in between it can be used for things like detecting uh, you know soil quality preventing uh, you know any kind of pest uh, what is it, infestation and those kind of things right and uh, so they've had to work with the industry on some of this stuff and uh, you know make the case for why their service is useful and also build the entire software stack also for this right i mean it's not enough that you know they they have these images and what not those have to be processed and those have to be accessible so they have this whole google earth kind of a setup uh, for these uh, clients Uh, to be able to just like you know point to a map and figure out like you know uh, what is up there right so it's it's very very interesting and uh, i really hope you know i mean uh, like with idea forge and a bunch of others right i mean i, I hope that you know the indian defense forces uh, take full advantage of our native technology startups right so in other news uh, map my india has also launched its global application like its own competition to google and apple maps Yeah, so I've not. Have you downloaded it? Maple, right? Yeah. No, I mean, in in fact, I mean, I've been uh, trying to get uh, Rohan, who's the co-founder and CEO of uh, Map My India, on the podcast. Hopefully, his travel plans coincide, uh, and uh, we get to host him on the podcast. But I did talk to Mr. Rakesh Verma, who is the chairman and uh, the, really the person who founded uh, Map My India. You know, what was it? Maybe thirty years ago, or maybe more, right? And it's a very, very inspiring story. I mean, imagine doing your MS or whatever in the US. and then coming back to india to set up a, a product company uh, right in such a core domain in the late 80s right it's just a phenomenal story all right so uh, this week there has been some action in the fundraising markets but what stood out was not not vc investments but rather most of these funds were res- raised through debt they're all debt funding shared e mobility company green cell raised 3000 crores in debt from rural electrification corporation Tech startup Vyom raised 140 crore from RTP Global, Yonest, Omedia Network, India, and others. Then there's Ethereal Machines, which is a hardware startup, raised 7.3 million dollars from Peak 15, Bloom Ventures, and angel investors. Then another tech startup, Effective, raised 4.5 million from Better Tomorrow Ventures and Axel. And uh, another notable startup was Capture CX, which is a SaaS-based company. They raised 4 million dollars from Cactus Venture Partners. and along with that uh, there's also together fund that recently cl- closed its 150 million dollar fund which is backed by both india and us based uh, investors this new fund will be deployed starting from the first quarter of 2024 uh, with the final close expected to be completed by the th- third quarter of next year so it's interesting we we have seeing a mix of debt fund fundraisers we are seeing a setup of a new fund and of course sas um, investments will continue yeah No debt is amazing. If you don't want to dilute and if you're generating decent amount of cash, right? I mean, it's a it's a very good uh, route to go by. And uh, yeah, I'm particularly positive about the Together Fund fundraise, right? I mean, 150 million is serious money. And uh, of course, Girish and Manav are like you know the doyens of Indian SaaS, right? Both Freshworks and Eka. 
uh, incidentally we've hosted uh, manav garg on the podcast uh, earlier do check it out he's again an old hand in saas he's been operating for 20 plus years in this domain a lot of insights on that uh, episode but yeah that aside i think you know we've talked about uh, saas companies being fairly democratized right i mean you have saas companies in chennai coimbatore surat madurai elsewhere and uh, this you're going to see more and more and more of this right the indian saas ecosystem is like very vibrant and thriving and girish has done a fantastic job bringing these entrepreneurs together uh, via saas boomi and so on right so uh, yeah uh, amazing news and uh, all the best to girish and uh, manavan team so i read this article which was comparing the investment numbers of h1 this year compared uh, to the last fiscal and of course all sectors have seen a sharp drop but this year it is still the fintech sector which has been leading the race even though their funding has dropped i think by 67% so what's your outlook for the industry you know i mean see you're comparing it with an outlier year right 2021 was uh, obviously we had insane amount of capital come into the country so so comparing against such a high base i mean everything else will sort of dwarf in comparison right but yeah man i mean there's just like ton of opportunities in india and uh, given the whole geopolitical scenario etc i mean capital more capital will come in and more entrepreneurs will found uh, companies i suppose <laughs> right well talking about opportunities um, shridhar vembu sir recently tweeted as of 1991 india had a bigger computer hardware industry than china had far deeper expertise in then emerging areas like computer networking unix os relational databases and so on we got in early now history should tell us we can do deep tech so let's rebuild since very inspiring quote yeah zoho is investing in hardware uh, startups actually i mean they've invested in uh, some health tech folks robotics and so on right they've even invested i think in uh, ultraviolet if i'm not mistaken uh, maybe in a personal capacity i suppose right but yeah i mean he definitely puts his money where his mouth is and see india obviously if you look at the software ecosystem itself how it evolved right so if you actually trace back the journey of software itself you know to about 50 years back etc software itself was the underdog at that point of time right i mean we had a uh, decent amount of progress in telecom uh, right on the hardware side of things and even on the skill based front right i mean india had this iti institutes uh, in a bunch of uh, places across the country uh, where people would learn um, you know electronics and you know basically skilled labor right uh, and so we had these uh, semi skilled uh, skilled labor uh, capable of uh, doing a bunch of manufacturing stuff and and so on and so forth but uh, yeah i mean you know whatever it was uh, that industry never really progressed uh, but then if you look at china over the last 30 years right i mean uh, you know with how deng xiaoping uh, got them to sort of globalize and become the manufacturing hub of the world uh, that's a template that you know is is uh, uh, something that can be followed but i think india will be slightly different in that or or a lot different in that you know the times are different right now i mean i don't know if uh, you know we can really copy the chinese model as such but for sure you know i mean a lot of levers can kick in for us right and one of those levers is manufacturing in fact electronic manufacturing services is picking up uh, big time and hardware and so on so i think it's a natural progression uh and it will happen you know foxconn is continuing to double down on its investments uh right we just spoke about amd and uh, you know uh, the government's uh, invitation to semiconductor industries and so on and with everything on pli atmanirbhar everything right so i think this sector will get a massive boost 
all of these cylinders have to fire for india you know i mean we can't be tied to you know either it services or something else right so yeah i think a major a key factor in ensuring the success for this would be the availability of workforce right and um, last week uh, there was an article announcing that the government has announced the launch of open network for education and skilled transactions right so what this broadly aims to do is for for education like access to scholarships access to knowledge and admissions and stuff um similar to what ondsa did for e-commerce right so it's good it's positive to see that the government is act- actively playing the role of setting up the foundational grounds for these industries to flourish but i think yeah availability of skilled labor will be a crucial point in deciding the success yeah see the thing is so couple of things right i mean you're having something like a crore and a half or something number of people entering the labor force every year right now it's a massive massive uh, constituent base right uh india has an informal uh, economy so you know a person perhaps i mean who earlier would not get a job would uh, you know set up a shop or do something else right but you know that's again a very tight balance you know we really have to think about skilling our people making them more employable and so on if we really need to reap the whole demographic dividend as such so before we wrap up we would love to hear what you thought of the latest episode we put out which was in conversation with advet of boon Roshan, for people who have not yet tuned into that, uh, what were some of the most exciting parts for you from the conversation? Um, it's a typical Swadesh story, right? I mean, the guy was, uh, you know, studying uh, in the U.S. Uh, and he dropped out of Booth School of Business, which is again, you know, one of the most prestigious uh, B schools in the world, uh, to come back and look at, uh, you know, bottom of the pyramid uh, problems that he can solve. Uh, and potable water is such an integral, very fundamental need. Uh, right and uh, today they're having a huge impact on sustainability and uh, so on right so uh, fantastic conversation and one of those guys who <laughs> is so straight forward uh, right and who's so sort of plain in his outlook uh, that it makes for very fun conversation right he he just says it as it is uh, and so yeah i mean we spoke about everything his founding journey how he got his first few customers uh, what are the skills he's learning so on and so forth right so uh fantastic uh, fantastic episode do check it out yeah it's ai for water right mm. <laughs> ai iot all of the oh, wow. deep stuff all right folks uh, if you want to stay updated for when our episodes are coming out do not forget to follow us on our social media platforms on linkedin we are the startup operator and on twitter you can find us at operator startup along with that if you want updates straight to be delivered into your whatsapp inbox you'll find a whatsapp link in the description as well Until then well I guess this was all in all a very good week for the Indian startup ecosystem and hopefully we'll be back with more exciting updates next week so take care see you guys